Was Jesus serious when he said the kingdom of God is near? What is the kingdom of God? Hold up. I'm blessed when people insult, persecute, and falsely accuse me? Seriously? Wait, I'm blessed if I am persecuted? Seriously? Seriously? I'm blessed if I am poor in spirit and mourn? Seriously, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. What does that mean? Did Jesus seriously come to fulfill the law and the prophets? What would my life look like if I took Jesus' words seriously? Was Jesus serious when he said the kingdom of God is near? What was my life seriously? Seriously? What if Jesus was serious? Let's pray and then we'll get into it. God, you are good to us. So thankful to be here amongst uh, your people, your kingdom here in this place. So thankful for your word, for your spirit. And I pray you would give us ears to hear the words that you have for us today. Teach us, Lord. Transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I hope this goes without saying, but I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I, I mean, I really do. I, 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 love, I, want, I desire to, to live it out. I want to know it and live it. I love to teach it. I love to preach it. I love to have discussions about the Word of God. I believe it is God's Word that He has given to us to, really the main purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to us. It's not just a, a bunch of instructions on how to live our lives, although that's in there. And I, I, I love, love, love uh, the Bible. I will also tell you, and I think it's just important to be, be honest about this, it's not always the easiest book to read. Anybody? Sometimes it's hard to understand, sometimes it's hard to believe, sometimes it's hard to obey, it, it, it can be difficult, um, and there are some sections that are just flat out boring. It's probably not something a preacher should say, but I mean, we're just being honest. We've all thought it, right? And when you come to those sections in the Bible, oftentimes you start mastering the art of skimming right? Typically, if you're like me and you start at the beginning of the year, going to read through the, the whole Bible in a year, you, you start skimming at what book? Numbers? You get it to numbers? For me, it's Leviticus right before that, right? Jeez, it's Genesis, Exodus. That looks good. That looks good. Num that looks good too. Dude, I mean, that's good. Let's I know I'm not the only one. And you're not the only one, and that's okay. Um, this, <laughs> this past Monday, uh, I finished reading through the book of Leviticus. And I had to confess, in my prayer journal afterwards, I, I had to confess to the Lord. I said, Lord, thank you. This is literally the first time I've ever experienced great joy reading the book of Leviticus. <laughs> I mean, it was my confession, Right? Leviticus is the Old Testament account of Moses and the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Uh, it, it's, it's where God gives them all these instructions, I mean detailed, detailed instructions on everything, literally everything. Uh, here's how I want you to build the tabernacle, the tent where the Ark of the Covenant is going to be, where my presence is going to be. Here's the materials I want you to use. Here's the exact dimensions of these tents and these rooms. Here are, the, here are all the, the furnishings I want you to have in there. Here's the color of the threads I want you to use. I mean, it's, it's super detailed. 
And then it's, hey, here's how you handle just about every possible dispute you can think of, particularly when it comes to donkeys and oxen and dying and things. Here's how you handle every dispute. Here's how you bring an offering to the Lord. Here's who does it, when do it, how to do it, where to do it in a way that's pleasing to God. If you don't, fire comes out and you're dead. This is what it is. Here's how to celebrate these festivals that I want my people celebrating. To remember how good I've been and, and who they are as my people. And it's a really, really, really important book of the Bible. Please don't hear me saying it's not. I mean, if you think about it, it comes right after uh, the, the, the Israelites, God's people, have been in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. And so he's kind of reestablishing, hey, these, you are my people. And this is the way that you are to live as my people. And so it's a really important book of the Bible. Um, and if there was a kind of a main idea of the book of Leviticus, I think you could say it as God's people are to be holy, set apart to the Lord. And so, like I said, I, I finished the book of Leviticus Monday and I just had so much joy in reading. And I think because there were several phrases as I read through the book of Leviticus that, that, uh, that were repeated over and over and over and over again that just leapt off the page and they really, uh, they really spoke into my world as I was preparing for this new sermon series that we're starting today. Phrases like, holy to the Lord. I mentioned that, right? Like, this is holy to the Lord, and that's holy to the Lord, and they're holy to the Lord, and, and this offering is holy to the Lord, and, and set apart to the Lord. God's serious about that. And then this, this other phrase of, of, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord, your God. I'm the Lord. Like literally in the middle of, of giving some instructions, it's like God just pauses and goes, oh, and just remember, this isn't Moses like telling you to do some things. I am the Lord. I am the one speaking here. I know what's best for you. You're my people. I'm your God. Do it my way. And then there's this phrase at the very end of Leviticus, chapter 20, verse 26, that really captured and stuck with me. God says to his people, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations as my own. I love that. It reminded me of some of the things that Jesus says, that the New Testament says about the people of God. You're a chosen people. You're God's special possession. You're set apart. You're different, called out of the world, right? This is kingdom talk. Kingdom talk. You see, God doesn't change. And so him setting apart his people then and setting apart his people now, it's, that's his heart for his people. That's kind of just how he approaches things, the same today. You fast forward 1,500-ish years from the book of Leviticus and Jesus is on the scene. God came to earth. And when he came to earth, I love this, he came to preach. And what Jesus preaches is about the kingdom that he brought with him. The kingdom. Today we're going to embark on a four-month journey through some of the most famous words of Jesus. It's often re referred to as his Sermon on the Mount. It's a collection of, of teachings on, on a whole bunch of different topics, really describing the, the spirit-empowered character of God's people who represent his kingdom. 
Matthew is the one who records the Sermon on the Mount in his gospel, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And he's describing, this is what kingdom living looks like. And so the question we're asking as we approach this, this text, what if Jesus was serious about what he said? And if he was serious, what would my life and your life look like if we took him seriously at his word? I want you to know today is just the setup. Today's the setup. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to get into start the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount next week. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, I think to be best prepared to dig into Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to use today to better understand this, this kingdom that he's talking about. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Matthew gives us kind of the summary statement of what Jesus' kind of main message was while he was here. And here it is, Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Again, I love that Jesus was a preacher. It's one of the reasons that he came here to earth, and he preached for people to repent, to turn around, to change your mind, to start living this new, in a new way of living. A kingdom has arrived, and it's time to change. Seriously? Like, change is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, but it's worth it. And Jesus would say the kingdom is here, now. The kingdom is now. The kingdom, in its, in its simplest terms, is a, is, a, is a people where a king rules, right? Where, where a king rules. Jesus is talking about the kingdom uh, that he rules and reigns in the hearts of his people. In the kingdom of heaven, or, or elsewhere we'll see it called the kingdom of God, Jesus reigns. He is king. He is sovereign rule over my life and yours, and we submit to him. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. And so I want us to just keep reading through some of Matthew chapter 4 and learn some other key realities of the kingdom of heaven. Um, In chapter 4, verse 18, it's a familiar story most likely. It says, as Jesus was walking along beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll, I'll send you out to fish for people. At once... They left their nets, and they followed him. Going on from there, they saw, they saw two more brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. It's, it's kind of a familiar story, right? This is, this is Jesus calling his, his first followers. But what does it teach us about the kingdom? And I think the first thing it teaches us is that the kingdom is attractive. Jesus' rule and reign draws people in. He's good. He's mighty. He's compassionate. He's kind. Peter and Andrew, James and John, immediately, just from his words, from his invitation, maybe some of the teachings they may have heard before this, immediately knew this is something way different from any later we've ever encountered before. We're going to follow him. And they dropped everything to follow we also learn that the kingdom, well, it's, it involves people, right? The kingdom is people. We use the word church, right? Not, not the building. The church is the people. It's the word ecclesia. 
Like God said all the way back in Leviticus, it's the called out ones. It's people who have been called out of darkness into his light. It's, it's his people under his rule and reign, set apart, belonging to him, ecclesia. Everyone who has submitted to the rule and reign of Jesus in their lives, that's, that's who the kingdom is. You and I are the kingdom of heaven. If we keep reading in Matthew chapter 4, we see that the kingdom is full of action. In verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. There's teaching and preaching in the kingdom. There's proclaiming of good news in the kingdom. There's healing in God's kingdom. Also, the kingdom is all about good news. That's the word euangelion, this weird word. That's where we get the word evangelism from. It's God's good news, right? God's good news. And the people of the kingdom are all, that's the main focus, the good news of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Verse 24, news about Jesus spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. The last thing we learn about when people uh, follow Jesus and live out of his rule and reign in their lives is that the kingdom spreads. It grows, it expands, it reaches far and wide. Seriously, that's the way of the kingdom. Matthew uses this word kingdom 54 times in his gospel. He is real serious about the rule of Jesus and the reign of Jesus in the, in the life of God's people, and you and I should be too. And that's the journey we're going to go on together in the next four months. If you want to get the most out of this sermon series, I would encourage you to read through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, once a week for the next four months. And just kind of looking for what God highlights for you every time you read through it. It'd be a perfect time to start today. It'd be a great option. In fact, we're going to do that together uh, right now. We're going to read through the Sermon on the Mount, not something we've ever done before or I've ever done before. But I've asked Lydia and Caleb to come up here and, and help me do this. Um, and we're going to read through the Sermon on the Mount right now. So I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that you are sitting on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Hill of Beatitudes. That's what the place is called there in Israel. And, and I, I want you to see that we're all there together Jesus and his disciples, at least the four he's already called, maybe a couple others, are, are sitting and they're, they're drawing in closer and closer to him to hear what he says. There's great crowds around him. There's, there's tons of people around. This is for his disciples, though. And so everybody leans in to hear what Jesus is going to teach. And he sits down to teach because he knows he's going to be talking for a bit. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3... This is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is the reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is this answerable to the court? And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift as the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there right in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to the court. Do it while you are still together and on the way. And your adversary will hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it, that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear on oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not run a turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Even if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they, they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendors was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If then you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have done them to do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Yeah, good one. (laughs) So that teaching would have been very different for them straight away, right? So many times Jesus takes, hey, you've heard this, but I'm elevating it to this. That teaching would have been different for them. The teaching's different for, for us. It's... It's a new life. It's a new kingdom. It's how we're to live as, as people of the kingdom, right? Before we pray, uh, just first thoughts. What's your first, re- first time through? What's your first reaction in reading that whole text? Um, I think for me, it's just the fact that if you're ever struggling with anything in particular, it just has, it has words for everything. So you can always go, it, go to it and know that that passage has what you need. Yeah, it covers a whole lot of stuff in there. That's for sure. Good one. Thank you. Caleb, what do you think? I think for me, it's, I think it's very instructional, and it's, like, straightforward, but it's, like, a lot of humans, if you were to ask someone for advice, it's just like, yeah, this is what you do, and then there's no instruction after it, but he gives instruction, then he's, after up, he has a follow-up with why, it's not, he has a reason, he thinks in the future, and it, like, cares. Yeah, it's important to know the why, yep. right, to be able to carry through. I, I think for me, one of the main things that just stick out to me first time through is that last Maybe we ought to start with that last paragraph of, hey, it's not just about hearing these instructions. It's about hearing them and putting them into practice. 
That's what saves our lives from crumbling. Again, this book isn't just about, hey, I want you to know a whole bunch of stuff. It's let's know Jesus and let's live in a way accordance to his will and word, and that's the best way, right? It's pretty clear that, that Jesus, along with Matthew, takes the kingdom pretty seriously, right? I think we should too. I think we should too. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. I know this wasn't a, a normal sermon time, but there's something powerful to just, to just read your word. And I know that as we look at all these words of Jesus for the next several months, you are going to be highlighting some things in each of our lives differently from one another because you are alive and real and you are real time and you speak into our lives what we need to hear right now. And so I'm so excited about what you're going to do in this sermon series, and I pray you would give us the courage, you would give us the faith to take you seriously at your word, and that we would apply it to our lives so that when life happens, the storms and the rains and the winds come, we could stand firm to the end. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Help us to take you seriously. In Jesus' name, amen.